Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. How is the battery level of your life at the moment? How is the battery level of your life at the moment? Are you well charged, well rested, kind of sitting like Dan's phone near 100% or at 100%? Maybe you're sitting around 50%, you're tired, but you have some reserves. Or are you in the red? Are the warning lights on? Is it, have, you, have you got reduced functionality? Are you at burnout or close to burnout? So just take a moment now to kind of be honest with yourself. Where are you at on that scale? And I know a large proportion of us here this morning, myself included, are too busy. We're kind of feeling like you're just moving from one thing to the next to the next. And also, sadly, I reckon a lot of us are more concerned with the charge on our actual phones than our life battery. More intentional about making sure our gadgets don't run out of battery than our own bodies and souls. And then when it comes to rest, most of us don't rest kind of until our battery gets to about 20% or less and the kind of warning messages are appearing. So maybe you start becoming less patient or you're quicker to get angry or more susceptible to temptation. I know for me, my warning sign is irritability. If I find that I'm increasingly getting irritated or losing my patience with the smallest things, then I know I'm getting near the bottom of my energy tank. And when we do try and rest, most of us don't rest well. We're very good at switching off but not very good at recharging. We try and block out kind of the world and people around us rather than finding things that actually restore us. And most of us don't rest long enough or frequently enough either. Kind of just that small boost to keep going, just to get past the next event in your life or to prevent you from shutting down completely. I know for me, I used to always get ill. Whenever we went away on holiday, I would get ill. Um, it almost became, or it did become, kind of a running joke that it was that inevitable that I would get unwell before or when we were on holiday. And that was because I used holidays as kind of one of the only times that I would fully stop, that I would kind of put the brakes on, let myself rest. And as soon as I stopped, it was like my immune system packed up its bags and headed for the departure lounge as well. So this morning, we are going to be looking at another practice of Jesus as part of our Practice in the Way series. And through this series, we have been exploring what it means to become disciples or apprentices of Jesus, to learn to be with him, to become like him, to do what he did, and to seek out this life and life to the full that Jesus offered. And if you've missed any of the previous weeks, I'd strongly recommend going online and listening to the podcasts of some of the recordings. So this week, as James has said, we are focusing on a practice to help us recharge our batteries, to help us rest well, and that is the practice of Sabbath. So the first part of the message this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, what the Bible says about Sabbath. Now, there are lots of references to Sabbath throughout the Bible, um, so I specifically want to touch on three points um, as we explore this practice, and that is that God rested, God wants us to rest, and Sabbath is a gift, not a set of rules. And then for the second part, I'm going to look more practically at how we might Sabbath, how we can Sabbath by stopping, resting, delighting, and worshipping. So firstly, God rested. If we jump right to the beginning of the Bible, God rested. In the creation story, we read how God creates light. 
sky and water, land and seas, sun, moon, stars, fish, birds, animals, humans, and it was good. Then we read Genesis 2, 2 to 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. God worked for six days, so he is for work. He cares about your work. But after God had worked, God rested. Other translations say he ceased or stopped on the seventh day. And I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with this passage in Genesis, in creation, but how often do we reflect on the significance of it? God was weaving rest into the fabric of his design, into the rhythm of creation. Rest is ingrained in nature. Exodus 31, 17 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. I love that bit at the end. God rested and he was refreshed. And our God is the almighty God. He doesn't get exhausted or burnt out. Isaiah 40, 28 says, The Lord is the everlasting Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. So when creating the universe... He only had to breathe and stars were formed. He didn't need that seventh day to recover his energy. But he rested anyway and he was refreshed. It's almost as if he was setting an example for us to follow. Follow the rhythms I laid out in creation. Rest and be refreshed. So I think we ought to pay attention. So God rested, but he also wants us to rest. So in the book of Exodus, we read how God frees his people from the oppression of the Egyptians. And soon after, he he sets out some guidelines uh, for the people to live by, also known as the Ten Commandments, found in Exodus chapter 20. So I actually summarise them on the screen. So uh, one, have no other gods. Two, make no idols. Three, don't misuse God's name. And then when we get to four, it's actually the longest related to Sabbath. So Exodus chapter 20 from verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Now remember, God, God blessed and made the Sabbath holy in creation, so we are to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So again, these verses link directly back to the account of creation that we read in Genesis. God worked and then he rested. So we have to follow his example, to work and then rest. And notice this command starts with the word remember. Almost like God knew that we would forget this one. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then interestingly, I've got a slide. So the first three Uh, commandments out of the 10 are relating to our relationship with God and the last six are about our relationship with others and I don't think it's coincidence that the Sabbath commandment sits between and bridges these two themes in my experience Sabbath not only helps me be more aware of God in my life and to love him more the overflow also enables me to love others better too I find it a lot easier to love when my battery is towards the top end of the scale then in Deuteronomy 5, we read how God gives the Ten Commandments for a second time after the people have gone astray. So Moses got frustrated 
um, and broke the previous set of stone tablets. So God gives them again. Notice this time, the fourth commandment says, observe the Sabbath, meaning to keep, to watch over, to guard. We are to remember the Sabbath, we are also to guard the Sabbath. And again, from my experience, if you don't guard the Sabbath, then it just, it won't happen. We set out with good intentions, but other things creep in and prevent us from truly entering into his rest. We need to guard or protect the Sabbath. And me and Rosin actually find it helpful to schedule in a Sabbath in our diary. Um, That way it's easier to prioritise it and to protect it. Now I feel it's, it's important to say here, to remember that we no longer live under the old covenant. We live under the new covenant, under Jesus and what he has done. Romans 3 says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. He goes on to say, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So the act of setting aside the Sabbath for rest doesn't make you more or less righteous in God's eyes. You are made righteous through faith in Jesus and you are justified or uh, made right with God freely by his grace. But Sabbath, I feel, is still a discipline that is helpful, that God originally created because it is good for us, setting out a healthy way to live. God commanded the Sabbath because he first rested and knew that as human beings whom he created knew that we would need to spend unhurried time in worship and rest each week too. And how wonderful is that? Think about that. We have a God who cares about us so much that he provides a day for us for each week to rest. He set out that example and he wants us to enter that rest too. So we should not neglect this provision. To take regular time to rest and worship in such a fast-paced world helps us to refocus our attention on God and it refreshes our soul. It recharges our battery. So finally, we should see Sabbath Sabbath as a gift, not as a burden or set of rules. So I want to look um, at a passage in Mark's Gospel where there are two accounts of Jesus and the Sabbath close to each other. So we're going to read from uh, Mark chapter 2, from verse 23. Um, So if you have it in your Bibles or on your phones, please feel free to follow on there, or the verses will appear on the screen behind me. So Mark 2, 23 starts. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiphar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot how they might kill Jesus. So here we have two accounts of Jesus interacting with the Pharisees based on his actions on the Sabbath. 
No, both accounts, the Pharisees accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath law. Firstly, picking corn in the field with his disciples on the Sabbath, and secondly, healing a man's hand on the Sabbath. So to provide a bit of context, the Pharisees um, had established 39 categories of actions that were forbidden on the Sabbath, based on interpretations of God's law and on Jewish custom. So harvesting was one of those forbidden actions. The law said crops should not be harvested on the Sabbath. Now this was to prevent farmers becoming greedy uh, and ignoring God on the Sabbath, but it was also to protect labourers from being overworked. So very good intent behind the law. However, the Pharisees were so focused on the rules that they missed that intent completely. The disciples were clearly not harvesting for personal gain. They were picking corn because they were hungry. They wanted something to eat. Again, with the healing, the Pharisees' Sabbath rules allowed people to help others on the Sabbath, but only if their life was in danger. And the Gospels tell us that Jesus healed on many occasions on the Sabbath. But these weren't emergencies. They could have waited until the following day. However, again, Jesus wanted to make it clear how ridiculous the Pharisees' rules were, placing them above human needs. He wasn't condoning disobedience to God's laws through his actions. Instead, he was emphasising discernment and compassion in enforcing those laws. Understanding the intent of God's law is to promote love to God and to others. So for the Pharisees, Sabbath rules had become more important than Sabbath rest. Mark 2.27, in the NLT translation, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. The Pharisees had made the Sabbath all about meeting the requirements of the rules. Whereas Jesus is saying that in fact the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. It should be viewed as a gift. So God rested. He placed an importance on this day of rest, blessing it, making it holy. We're seeing that he's concerned for us and he wants us to enter into that rest as well. But we are to follow Jesus' example and not see this as a burden or list of rules, but rather a gift for our good and for the good of others. But how do we go about practising Sabbath? What does that look like? So we're going to end this morning's message by looking at some practical application based around um, four translations of the Hebrew word for Sabbath, which is Shabbat. Um, And those themes are to stop, rest, delight and worship. So I must emphasise these are not a set of rules. Remember, we don't want to fall into the trap of the Pharisees, but hopefully they offer kind of a helpful guide, um, things that I have found useful as as I have explored Sabbath over this past year. And this is an open invitation this morning. So as I said, practising Sabbath does not achieve righteousness. That has been achieved once and for all at the cross through Jesus. But I have experienced in my life what life can be like with Sabbath as a regular practice, and I'm in. And I've not, I need to say I've not got it all figured out. I still get impatient. I still feel weary and drained at times. My Sabbath sometimes gets squeezed as well. I don't think this side of heaven I will figure it all out. But I'm impatient and feel weary and drained less frequently than before. My battery levels are generally higher. I actually managed to enjoy our last holiday without getting ill. And I feel more connected to God. So I would encourage you to seriously consider it. So firstly, stop. 
So to be able to recharge most effectively and enter into Sabbath rest, you first need to stop. So when I used to think about Sabbath, I thought, of course I Sabbath. I work for five days of the week and then I have two days off at the weekend. Not one, two days. And one of those days I go to church, so of course I Sabbath. But Sabbath is not the same as a day off. A day just catching up with all the other jobs we haven't had time for in the week, but just don't get paid for. It's a holy day. It's set apart for God, and it requires you to stop. Stop work, yes, but also stop thinking about work. Because if you don't stop thinking about work, you may as well still be at work. And ironically, what we have found is that to be able to properly stop for a day, it requires some work ahead of time. In the Bible, the day before Sabbath was actually referred to as preparation day. To be able to keep the Sabbath properly, to be able to stop properly, adequate preparation is needed, which means planning ahead. So for as we make sure we have done uh, kind of the food shop, we reply to any urgent outstanding messages, um, we try and tidy the house up a bit. If I'm leading worship on a Sunday or preaching, we will normally try and Sabbath on a Saturday, um, which means by the Friday night I will try and have done all of the prep needed for the Sunday. And I'm not saying if you suddenly realise you need to top up the car with fuel that you can't go out and do that. Again, this isn't about rules, but what I found is that preparation is just helpful enabling me to fully stop on that day, to allow me to fully recharge. And I'll also let you into a secret. Some things can just wait another day. The world will keep turning if your load of washing sits waiting in that pile for another 24 hours. If we wait for everything to be done before we stop, then we will just never stop. Once I finish this project, then I'll stop. Once I move into this new home, then I'll stop. Once my kids are older and move out of the house, then I'll stop. It just won't happen. Also, I think it's important to say, um, I guess I'm in a position um, financially where I can stop for 24 hours each week. There might be people here or people you know Um, that can't they might be working two or three jobs just to get by just to feed the family or uh, there might be people in full-time care that the idea of just stopping isn't possible so this morning for those people I want to say hold tight to Jesus and lean on him he sees you and he cares for you but to the rest of the church and myself included I'd pose a challenge how can we cultivate generosity as a community as a church body to enable people in these situations to stop and rest? Could we help someone out financially to potentially allow them to work one less shift in the week? Could we cook for someone so they have one less thing to worry about to enable them to rest? So first stop. Second, rest. Do you feel rested or restless? So there's some words on the screen um, in two categories. On the left are kind of words to describe if you might feel rested and words on the On the left, rested. On the right, restless. Do you resonate with more with the left or the right side? The world around us isn't helping towards this either. We are constantly being told, you just need to accumulate more. You need to accomplish more. Then you'll be satisfied. But that is a lie. It will only leave you desiring more, chasing after more, feeling even more restless. The truth is, nothing in this life apart from God can ever truly satisfy Let me say it again, nothing in this life apart from God can ever truly satisfy. And until we realise that, we won't be able to start moving from restless to rested. Matthew 11, 28, a verse that we keep coming back to in this series. Jesus says, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers rest, not just for the body, but for your soul. Sabbath is an opportunity for us to rest in him. It can provide physical rest. So by all means, catch up on sleep, doze on the sofa, put your feet up. If you're a parent, this is more challenging. Um, We sometimes take it in turns to look after Bethana to allow the other person to rest. Um, Or you might have a friend or relative that could help out. Um, It can provide mental rest. Um, And there is a difference between true rest for your mind and escapism. So remember, we're looking to recharge our battery, not just switch off. True rest will recharge us. Kind of escapism just leaves us feeling just as tired after we've done the activity. It can provide emotional rest. So the thing I find great about Sabbath is that it is regular. It comes around every seven days, 52 times a year. It comes after a great week. It also comes after a terrible week. Are there things or situations you just need to hand over to God and to trust him with? And it can provide spiritual rest. So as we've already read today, Jesus was in the business of healing on a Sabbath. And I want to say Jesus is still in the business of healing on the Sabbath. We can arrive at Sabbath exhausted, but Jesus wants to heal and restore us. So how can you rest in Jesus? Maybe spend some time reading your Bible or listening to Lectio 365. Or if you don't have energy for that yet, lay down and put some Christian music on. Just sit and be still. I think we can often be fearful of just doing nothing. But there's something refreshing and healthy about sitting with no agenda, nowhere to be, just sitting and reflecting on God. Processing random thoughts as they come into your mind with Jesus, listening for his quiet whisper. Hebrews 4, 9 to 11 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to enter God's rest. So we are to learn this as parents. So I'll admit, and you'll be surprised to hear, that it can sometimes be a challenge to rest with a two-year-old. We can't take a Sabbath from Bethana, but we learned that we can Sabbath with Bethana. We've had to work hard and learn what, what we can do in this particular season of life to Sabbath and rest as a family. That normally looks like a walk out in the countryside, story times together, using our phones less um, and being sure to rest as much as we can whilst Bethana is asleep. But whatever season of life you find yourself in, make every effort to enter God's rest. So stop, rest. Third one, delight. Let me ask you, are you just spending time or are you cherishing it? What truly delights your soul? We can often look at Sabbath and think it is a day for saying no to lots of stuff. But in doing so, we allow ourselves to say yes to better things. This is the fun bit, choosing how you want to spend your time delighting. Delighting firstly in God and then in your life with God in his world. What could you do for 24 hours to bring yourself deep joy and connect you with God? And this will look different for all of us. So for me, it's things like family, nature, feasting, walking, music. Um, So I try and include those things in my day. And the thing with delight is it will always deepen and restore, even if the activity takes energy. So for example, walking. I really love going for a walk in the peaks. I could go for a long walk, feel physically exhausted after it. 
but I can guarantee you I will always feel spiritually restored. My battery will be recharged because I delight being out in God's creation. And notice how in um, the passage we read in Mark's Gospel, Jesus was walking with his disciples in the cornfield on the Sabbath. He wasn't alone. He practiced Sabbath in community with his close friends around him. Shared delight grows delight. Shared delight grows delight. Hang out with friends. Share a meal. And me and Rosin will often sit down a few days before our Sabbath um, and plan how we would like to spend our day. We decide on things that will bring us joy. We try and throw in some things that we know will bring Bethana joy. Um, And then when we get to the day, we just delight. We're intentional about trying to live in the moment and cherish that time. So Sabbath is also a day to move our focus away from the things we want or the things we even need to that which we already have, to thank God for his blessings in our life, things that we can often take for granted when we're just rushing through life in the fast lane. Also taking time to reflect on Jesus, the hope we have in him, remembering his victory on the cross for us, the wonderful inheritance that now awaits us in heaven. And as we cultivate that gratitude, we move from delight into worship. And this might be worship in the sense that we often view it, singing songs of praise, um, whether that be corporately, like we do on a Sunday as a church family together, or it might be by yourself. But worship is a much broader term than just music and singing. Worship is whole life orientation and surrender to God. It is granting God the adoration and reverence that he is due. It is living in a way that is pleasing to God to obey the greatest command to love God and to love others. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He set it apart. It's only right, therefore, that we go about Sabbath, yes, stopping, resting, delighting, but doing it all out of a posture of worship. So I've been reading a passage in Isaiah 58 whilst preparing for this message, which talks about true and false worship. Let me just read a section from the message translation for you. So Isaiah 58, verse 13 to 14. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honour it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. What a great phrase, you'll be free to enjoy God. So let's enter into worship on our Sabbath days and enjoy God. So I guess just to conclude, when deciding what to do or not to do on a Sabbath, I find it helpful to run, run it through a filter. Will it help me to stop, rest, delight or worship? If the answer to those questions is yes, then great, I go ahead and I enjoy it. If the answer is no or I'm not quite sure, then I'll park it, I'll come back to it. There are six other days in the week for that. And Walter Brueggemann said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. And I found that to be true in my life. I look forward to Sabbath each week, that regular reminder to pause, to draw near to God, to enter into the gift of Sabbath he has given, and to be restored by his goodness. Let me say as well, everyone likes the idea of Sabbath. Stopping, resting, delighting, worshipping, it all sounds great. But you have to choose to do something about it. You have to be intentional about it. It won't just happen to you. Only you can decide if you're up for it. But if you're not sure, then just ask yourself, how is my battery level at the moment? 
Am I fully charged? Or are my warning messages beginning to show?